up, everybody? You're listening to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast. I'm your host, virtual marketing coach and fellow creative soul, Miranda Rodriguez. In this podcast, you'll get expert marketing guidance that you can implement on your own, and you'll learn how marketing your business can be simple, doable, and fun. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast, episode number 123. Today, I have my friend, business coach, and sales strategist, Erica Tebbins, on the podcast. One of the things I love most about Erica and working with her is her transparency and openness, and today you will experience just that. She's opening up about her journey with ADHD and how getting diagnosed later in life as an adult has impacted the way she runs and markets her business. Whether or not ADHD is something you personally experience, you'll want to check out this episode because she shares so much more than just that. She shares tips for growing your business in a relaxed and fun way that feels good to you, hustling and judgment-free. And you know that's what we're all about on this podcast. Before we begin, I want to share a little bit more about Erica. She is a sales strategist for ambitious misfits who want success but aren't willing to compromise who they are to get there. She works with service providers, consultants, and coaches to create custom growth plans that avoid complex systems, sleazy sales tactics, or battling burnout. With 17 plus years experience running successful businesses from solo operations to multi-million dollar retail teams, she knows there's no one perfect way to operate, only one that's perfectly aligned with your strengths, values, and vision. She also hosts the weekly Sell It Sister podcast where she dishes out BS-free business advice. And you can check her out, check out the podcast, find her on Instagram. Um, So much of what Erica and I talk about as far as sales and marketing goes, um, it, it overlaps because we have a very similar philosophy when it comes to the type of business you're creating and you're running. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you so much for helping others to find us. Um, I really appreciate you being here and I hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast. Today, I'm joined by my business coach, um, sales strategist, Erica Tebbins. She is also, the name of the group that we were in was called, is called Rebellious Success. And I was in cohort two. Um, So we just spent the last six months meeting every other week, and it was amazing. And I'm so sad that it's over. But Um, We get to continue the conversation here, and today we'll be talking about ADHD and marketing your business. So thank you so much for being here, Erica. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you again. Yes. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Yeah. So I primarily work with online entrepreneurs who have service-based businesses, and they are looking to grow in a way that feels sustainable and it's not going to lead to burnout and also doesn't force them to compromise their values. So no 
complex systems, no sleazy sales tactics, no showing up in a really inauthentic way just to get, you know, just to make the sale. And so that is what I do. And I'm really passionate about teaching ethical sales and marketing. And um, I primarily do that, obviously, through my coaching, but also through my Sell It Sister podcast. Yes. And I highly recommend that. So for anyone who clicked on this because they like the topic of ADHD and marketing, I just finished listening to your ADHD episode with Diane. Oh, Diane Winger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was really good. And I feel like for, for anyone who's curious or anyone who deals with ADHD themselves, I think that is an excellent episode to start with. Um, yeah, that was, yeah, that was good. That was like, we were talking about, um, rejection sensitivity, which was something that I wasn't familiar with. And I also didn't know it was common in people who have ADHD. So I was like, oh, wow, this is really, this is really interesting. So eye-opening. She was so eye-opening and she has a very calming voice. Like everything about that was so calming and grounding. I just enjoyed listening to both of you talk too. Yeah. So today to get started, I thought it might be helpful for listeners who are curious and maybe not quite sure what the full definition of ADHD is, if we just start there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that over time it has changed and to my knowledge, like, you know, it used to be ADD and ADHD were two separate things. And now it's just ADHD, but then there's like different types you can have, like, inattentive, or I don't even know like now how many different types (laughs) that there are, but it's kind of all under that umbrella of ADHD. Okay. And then when did you learn that? Is it called, it's, is it a diagnosis or deal Mm -hmm. dealing with it? I don't, Diane phrased it in a really cool way. I don't remember exactly how she did, but. Yeah. So I want to say it was in June Um, I think it was early June that I got an official diagnosis. Um, And so the last few months have just been like trying different medications and um, different like quantities of medications and different things like that. So trying all of that out, which has been um, interesting because I'm fortunate in that I'm not somebody who regularly takes meds for anything else. So that was sort of a, that's been an interesting process to get used to taking a medication that like, you know, like it, it could need to be tweaked or adjusted mm-hmm. periodically. So, yeah. <laughs> so were you like, is this something you suspected before? Obviously you were like doing more research on it and you got curious about it, but I'm asking because my fiance just got his official um, diagnosis like last month. And so, yeah. And he, I mean, listening to your episode and we've been doing a lot of research on our own too. It's just, it is almost comical, like how stereotypical his signs are. Like he's in a sales job, it's all commission. So he's, you know, like very autonomous there. Um, He is a college dropout as well. And so, you know, it's just, kind of all the check marks. And so we started doing research before he made his appointments um, to kind of get the official diagnosis. So were there yeah. any signs for you? Yeah. So it's kind of funny because I, I always thought like going back to, you know, like eight, like 
you know, growing up in the eighties and nineties and like ADD versus ADHD Mm -hmm. and all of that. And, you know, there was, I remember like a really big kind of, um, pushback and this like stigma around like Ritalin and everyone giving their kids Ritalin, you know, all of this stuff. And so all I equated it with in my mind was mostly really like hyper boys, like boys that would maybe be like troublemakers in class. Right. Or like they couldn't sit still or they were like, their backpacks were super disorganized. Um, stuff like that, like really like, uh, a lot of like sort of outward signs of like a high energy kind of person who couldn't really control it. Um, and then interestingly, like, I think it was truly just over the course of the the pandemic that it was like, oh, I got TikTok, you know, like everyone else did just to like, you know, pass the time. Um, and I kept seeing all these TikToks and then also just like people posting memes and different things, Mm. um, where it was like talking about different things that especially for women are markers of some of those different types of ADHD, like the inattentive and things like that. And how a lot of times in women, it doesn't manifest as like, you're not necessarily disorganized. You excelled in school. Like you kind of checked all of the boxes of how somebody theoretically like should be, um, in the world. But there were all of these other things that I was like, well, that's weird. Like I, I just assumed everyone else thought that way or did those things. Like I was like, I didn't know that there were people who weren't like that. Cause to me, that is just what felt normal in my brain. Um, and so it was really through there, like then actually several friends of mine who are also entrepreneurs were researching it getting diagnoses or like telling me, you know, their findings, all this stuff. And I was like, as I started to kind of put it all together and then like sort of the final piece of the puzzle was reflecting back on how many clients I've had who've had ADHD Mm. who were like, oh, I finally, like you were able to help me in this way that finally like made sense and really worked for me. And like that I could kind of sustain in my business. And I was like, gosh, like what a weird coincidence. And then, (laughs) and then finally a good friend of mine was like, just encouraged me to, um, at least see about getting diagnosed. Cause at first I was like, "Ah, I don't know what's it going to change my life. You know, it doesn't really matter. And then And then I did. And I was like, I was surprisingly relieved. I didn't know how I would actually feel, but I was like, oh, okay. Like it was actually, um, it felt really nice to just sort of have that confirmed. Yes. And so then, I mean, that's how we felt too. We just felt relieved to like, no, like, okay, now we can make a plan that supports Mm -hmm. this, like in our relationship and in, you know, his life and his career and all of that. Um, so what were some of the things that people were attracted to you or like hiring you for what set you apart because of the way your brain works? Yeah. So I think that, um, I think that it's, it's kind of like two pronged, like, because I have, um, 
I have a lot of like strategic strengths anyways, like from like the Clifton strengths or, you know, any of those, like I have, it always comes out that like, I'm really good at big picture mm. thinking. Um, and I also know, cause now I'm in a few, uh, online groups for, uh, entrepreneurs with ADHD. And mm. so some of the things that I see that are really common are like, being able to have a lot of thoughts at once and kind of like synthesize them and then explain them out, um, in a much like simpler way. And so when I'm working with somebody, it's, it's kind of like they, you know, they tell me everything that's going on and their goals and and all of that. And it's almost like my brain is like assembling this image in my mind of like, oh, I can kind of see, like, I, I sort of equate it to like, you know, in, in movies where it's like the sort of like futuristic clear glass computer screens, and they're like moving all of the things Mm -hmm. around and it's very high tech. It's almost like that's how my brain sees it all. It's like, oh yeah. Okay. So that is, you know, that's over here and this is over here. And then like, down the road. Like it's also very like futuristic. Like Mm. I can kind of see all of the different like steps of a plan in my mind. Um, but then because I hate, like, because I'm too impatient to deal with like fluff or complexity Mm. or doing any sort of extraneous work or like anything that feels like busy work whatsoever, I'm kind of like, what's like, what can I distill from all of those pictures in my mind? And then like that becomes the plan. And so I think because I really thrive on simplicity so that I don't get overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. um, I'm able to then take something that feels very overwhelming and break it down into bite-sized pieces for myself, for my clients, um, and things like that. So then it's almost like I've unjumbled it and now it makes sense. And now the other person's like, oh, I can actually do it. Like, oh, I've never been able to stay relatively consistent with like my content or Mm -hmm. marketing in general or, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, like, let's just approach it from a different angle. Yeah. And that angle just happens to be through trial and error. What I've kind of done for myself that I figured out works. And how, when you were like figuring it out for yourself, you said it was trial and error, but I mean, was there anyone, was there any example you have? Because I feel like now this conversation is much more um, like people are having the conversation more, like we're much more open about it and talking about mental health and especially in entrepreneurship and how that applies. And like, I feel like I talk a lot about, and I know you do too, about running your business in a way that is aligned with you and your values and what works for you. Um, but when you, I mean, you've been building your business for a long time now. So how in the beginning, was there anything that helped you just to kind of figure this out or like to trust yourself? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think um, historically, I am very much a doer and like will kind of like go, go, go and 
check all the boxes and, you know, like just basically fill all of my time with work. Cause I genuinely do like enjoy working and mm-hmm. I enjoy running a business and, and things like that. Um, but then that really led to a lot of burnout at the end of 2016. And I knew I was like, I am an entrepreneur through and through, like, I'm not just going to go back and get a job somewhere. Like that's not, I would not, I, I can't, I can't do that. Um, so I really had to think like, what would a different way of working look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, cause at the time I had a product-based business, I really had to show up a lot in person. Mm. Um, I was really at the whims of a lot of things that were sort of out of my control. Uh, and while I loved, I really truly like love selling and I, I love like selling products is, is really fun for me, but kind of all of the rest of it, it was just, it was a lot. And I was like, my only stipulations were I had to be able to work from anywhere. So it had to just be like me and my laptop. Um, I didn't want to have to work weekends anymore unless I felt really inspired. Right. And, and same thing with evenings too, evenings and weekends. Um, and I really wanted to be able to like choose who I got to work with and like the kind of work I was doing. And so with those sort of as like the guiding principles, I really was just like, I don't even know if this is going to work, um, but I'm going to give it a shot because that other way is just not, it's not sustainable for me. And so I think in that process, I, through that trial and error, like I curated these systems and workflows and things for myself that just really supported how I am as a human. And then it just happened to turn out that like, oh, and they make a lot of sense for people with ADHD too. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So I feel like so much of what we do, we talk about planning and consistency. And the reason why you and I, like so much of what we talk about is similar in that case is because we focus it on the entrepreneur themselves, like what works for you, not, not cookie right. cutter templates and not a one plan or program fits all. And so I think there's like this larger piece of self-awareness here that you just have so much self-awareness through trial and error. And I have found through talking with some of the clients and my podcast listeners who I know have ADHD and are running their businesses that that's where some frustration can come in where they Mm -hmm. are trying on these other programs and templates for size um, and then frustrated that it's not working for them. And this could go for anyone, right? Like a program or template doesn't fit for you. It's not created for you. Um, Frustration arises, but so then it's just a problem with the program and not necessarily you, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just not a great fit. So when it comes to marketing, Do you have any like tips or guidance or how did you, because your marketing is great. Like it is consistent. You, you know, you, you're doing such a great job. So how did you get there to this point where you're marketing consistently? Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you like it. I'm glad that it resonates. (laughs) Um, I think it was really like 
There was definitely a point. So when I started this business in 2017, um, like almost exactly four years ago now, um, yeah, I, it was really around the time when like, um, content, like having individualized downloads in every blog post was like a big trend. Um, and so I tried it. Like I was like, at the time I didn't have my podcast. I just, the whole first year I just was blogging. And so I was creating all of these downloadable assets, like a new one for every blog post. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this is a nightmare. Like, (laughs) even if I, even like, not just on the first time through, but like, as I would rebrand or as something would change or whatever, um, I would have to go back and like adjust all of those PDFs. And like, when I moved email, um, platform, like just, it, it was just a literal nightmare of like so much busy work on the back end to keep those things congruent with what I was doing, you know, in, at, at a future date that I was like, I can't like, this is not sustainable for me. And so then I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna create like one opt-in and just (laughs) everything can just go to that or it can be to like book a call, you know, whatever. But I was like, I can't, I just, I I can't do that. Like as a solo entrepreneur, it's just not, it's not doable. And so I feel like it was really, um, you know, checking in with myself around that. And then my second year, my second like full year, I started my podcast and that was really born out of the fact that like, I was glad I had my blog content there. I was glad I I did that. Um, But it's easier for me to talk out my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like I'm actually a good writer and I'm comfortable writing, but it's faster for me to batch record like four episodes on a Monday when I don't take any client calls and then have them all for the next month. So it was really like leaning into what can I actually do that I can sustain? And it's like, oh, that is, that is something that I can do. It's, I can do an entire, you know, four episodes in like at most an hour and a half versus it would take me at least that long probably to write and format and everything for a blog post. (laughs) I am. Yeah. Blogging was never my thing either. I'm very similar in that it's so much easier for me to talk through it and to, I can like create an outline for an episode and then record the episode in like 30 minutes and be done and push it out there. So before I know you have a team now that helps get some of this content out there and helps you like stay organized with some of this. Um, But before you had the team, what systems did you have in place to help stay organized and not miss deadlines? I know one of the people I spoke to, she has posted, like she has a post-it note system. So it's very visual to me. If I had a wall of post-it notes, I would freak out. Like that would not, (laughs) that would not be good for me or helpful. And I think I'm traumatized because my mom would write notes on literally everything like a spare like empty toilet paper roll in the bathroom, she would have like a jotted down, like, don't forget the doctor tomorrow at six, you know? 
And so I, I can't, I, and my fiance is the same way. Both of our moms were notes people. So, so it's like, for me, I have to have it in one notebook and that's it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but what about you? What systems did you have in place or do you have in place now, even with the team? Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I, like, I will say just the other part of marketing too, that I think is important to note is like, besides just like being on Facebook to be like just my regular Facebook and like utilizing it for some of the business groups I'm in. I don't really do a lot of marketing on Facebook. Like the only social that I use is Instagram. And like, I used to also use LinkedIn. And then every time I went in there, I was like, I hate this. And I'm, I no, I can't. And so I just gave myself permission to streamline it. So kind of like with the blog and then moving to podcasts, like I was like, I'm only going to be on this. I'm only going to market on this one Mm -hmm. platform. And like, so I feel like it's, it's streamlining everything like, or like simplifying things down. Um, first is really, really, really important because like before you start to create the systems, because yes, if you have systems in place, it can make doing more easier, but also you're still like, you're still doing a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And so really paring it down to like, where are clients actually coming from? Um, What is enjoyable and like, what can you be consistent with? And consistent doesn't mean like all day, every day, never taking a break. It's just, it could literally mean like, I only email my list twice a month. Great. That's cool. If that's all you can do, just keep doing it twice a month, month after month. Um, So then some systems that I've done. So now I just record my podcast and I hand off the audio to my team and they do it all. Um, before what I would do is, and I actually started small in terms of like outsourcing Mm. that. So at first it was just like, okay, you go into Canva, duplicate the graphics, Mm -hmm. put the new stuff in, you know, take that, put it into the episode post on my website, copy the show notes, put it in there, mm-hmm. copy the audio track from Libsyn, put it in there. Like, so it was, it was a lot more of like that part of it. And then over time it's expanded to now they also take the show notes and set it up in my email. Mm. Now they also will put the intro and the outro on and actually upload it to Libsyn. Like they do all that, but I would, um, I would take one chunk of time and just write out my outlines. Mm-hmm. And then usually on an entirely different day, I would take another chunk of time and I would record. Mm-hmm. And then on another different day, I would take a chunk of time and do like the next part of the workflow. So it was like batching, but in this different I think sometimes like I actually have a whole podcast episode on this because it's a really good, I I was going to say that. I love that episode. Thank you. Yeah. Because I think what happens is people just hear batching and they're like, okay, so you want me to do the outlines and the recording and all the post-production and all of that, like in the same day, like I can't, I can't do that. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's like, whatever the, the task, the type of task is like, just batch that type of task. Mm -hmm. And so when I would be doing like Canva for myself, let's say I would be doing all of the graphics for the month in one shot instead of task switching. Then I would go, you know, I would upload everything to Libsyn in one shot. Then I would open Squarespace 
and, you know, duplicate the post from before and then swap out all of Mm -hmm. the stuff, schedule it. Like I would, I would do each task as like a batched task. So you're in one. So you're like in Canva for 90 Mm -hmm. minutes doing all the graphics or you're writing the outlines for, you know, whatever, 90 minutes. And then Mm -hmm. in that, it's so helpful when you do it that way. And I feel, so I was so resistant to batching. And then in uh, this past month, because, you know, I, I can just do it and I'm like, oh, it's, it doesn't take that much time Mm -hmm. to do it all separately. But then when you do batch, which I did for August, then you realize like, oh, in two days, I got all of it done for the month. And now I have, you know, I don't have to worry about the podcast or posting it or the content, like it's just done. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that, that system is, is really helpful. And I recommend anyone listen to that podcast. Yeah. And and I think it's because there really is this like, um, and this is something I, I had to kind of learn for myself is that we have like the creative part of our brain. And then we also have like the like kind of like editing or like just, you know, busy, more like busy work execution part of our, um, brain. And so one other example of this, that like, finally, I finally have learned my lesson (laughs) is like, let's say you're doing, uh, I don't know, a training or something, um, and you need to create slides or you're making a presentation or you're making like a printed thing, you know, whatever, something that is like visual um, or especially for like visual things. But it could be the same for just like writing an email to your list is like just do the text on a Google Doc, like mm-hmm. just don't try to go into Canva and like add the content while you modify the slides or like, don't try to like build the email template while you write the content. Um, because theoretically it seems like it would take the same amount of time, no matter what. And that is not the case. Like it's, it's just, and I, I, I know this because I have more times than I wish been like, you know what? I don't, it just feels like an extra step. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and then it's taking me like days upon days to create a slide deck for a training because I keep tinkering the whole time as I'm putting text in. Whereas now I just write the whole outline in a Google doc. Now I just, my, my team will put it into the template we have. But even before I was outsourcing that part of it, I could just copy and paste into the template and then make tweaks. Mm, yeah. And it really, really, truly, it makes such a time difference. Like it's yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> I love that because when I write my emails, I do it in, in the template and then I'm constantly fidgeting with like the alignment of the text or the, the colors or what I'm highlighting and what I'm not. And so I think, so then that disrupts my content flow because I'm stopping mm-hmm. to like highlight it or, you know, tweak it, like you said. So I think I really love that, um, that piece of advice there. So how has ADHD, or maybe it, it hasn't, since it sounds like you already had your business kind of running in a way that worked for you, but 
has it, have you seen a shift in your client relationships or any other like interpersonal relationships since it's become official? Um, I think that the diff- the biggest difference now is that I'm like, oh, that's, you know, probably part of the reason why I do certain things. Um, or also just like being better with my own time boundaries, because usually by evening I'm like, I, like my executive functioning is just not existent. Um, so I kind of don't, you know, I don't really like judge myself for like, oh, I don't want to record like a podcast interview at night. I'm not going to host a training at night. I don't do coaching calls Mm -hmm. at night. Um, and I think also like just for new clients coming in or potential clients, they at least know that because a lot of them are people like keep reaching out and they're like, I just got my diagnosis and stuff. And, <laughs> and so it's kind of hilarious. And mm-hmm. so I think it's just that they know that they are not going to, um, be forced to do stuff that doesn't work for them, I think right. is the biggest, um, the, the biggest thing really is like, they know that if we work together, when we work together, um, that I am not going to be like, well, you should just, you know, work in a way that doesn't, is not aligned to like who you are as a human. Right. Um, and they won't have to like feel that shame around their limitations or their disorganization or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. It sounds like you, you really help people like accept themselves and accept like how they want to run their business. Like, yeah, this works best for me. So no, I'm not going to take meetings in the evenings and there's no shame or judgment or apologizing necessary. I think that people sometimes feel the need to like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, and like over explain Mm -hmm. and apologize. And it's just, you don't have to apologize for business boundaries in general, you know, ever. Um, And something that I find helpful or that I do with my clients is I just have them, if they are having a hard time, like setting those boundaries or holding those boundaries, I just have them create like a process document or I have them. Mm, oh yeah. So that they have something to reference. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, do you do that? Uh, yeah. So now with my, um, with my team, I definitely like we have process documents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also would recommend that like, it's really, really, really good, even in the most simple way possible to do that for yourself mm-hmm. now. Um, whether it's recording your screen as you're doing something, mm. or if you are like physically packaging orders, let's say, cause I've worked with a lot of, um, product-based businesses mm-hmm. in the past is to like have, I've had clients where they've had like someone film them and talk out loud all the steps that they're doing. Because one of the hardest things that often happens to entrepreneurs is you get to this breaking point when you're like, I need help and I'm ready to hire help. And you think like, 
well, they're just going to come on board and then it's going to be better. But there's actually like this time where when you first start to work with somebody that it's actually harder because you have to now get them up to speed and, you know, and all of that, it's totally worth it. I think it's completely worth it. But one thing that can speed up that process is if you have already captured in some way, what it is that you do, then that information lives outside of your brain. Mm -hmm. And you can actually say like, I need you to watch the video of me ordering supplies or of me Mm -hmm. sending a weekly email or whatever. And then you can have them create the process document for you too. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I don't, I hadn't thought about the video piece before, but I just have people like open up a spread, uh, like a Google document and just type it out. Like think through each step of your process and just put it down. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be detailed. Just like really just evaluating and capturing so that you're prepared for growth. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about that um, a little bit more. So one of the things we talk about in our group is like making more money and working less. And Mm -hmm. that is something like I have, I do have some post-it notes on my wall. And so that is like a helpful thought I have right here next to my desk, because that's really been my goal this year. And it's been hard for me as someone who worked in corporate America for almost 10 years before becoming an entrepreneur to like break out of that hourly mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and I know, so how, or I guess maybe I'll just keep it kind of general, but like any thoughts or guidance on how you go from, like you said, like adding team members and preparing for growth. Cause I talk through having processes, but another thing we talk about is like really managing your schedule. Like if you use a physical planner or Google calendar, you have to have room to grow or Mm -hmm. else you're not going to grow if you're already like burnt out where you are now. Yeah. So I would say that like having, having help is I, I truly like, I couldn't, I could not go back now. There's no, there's just no way. Like, um, it's, it feels really scary and it feels like well, I should just be able to do it all and mm-hmm. nobody can do it as well as me, or I'm going to have to now be taking out of my money to pay someone else. Um, but what I think that we underestimate is like how much mental energy we are spending on different things. Mm -hmm. So even if you are not physically doing something like just the mental energy of thinking about like, oh yeah, I have to, you know, post on Instagram later. And what am I going to talk about? And what, okay, I'm going to have to get the photo from this. You know, it's, it's just a lot, it's a lot of stuff. And so even if I would say like, even if you're like, I just not quite ready yet, maybe to hire in my business, like start to think about what you would hire for, like start to make a log of like, what are all the things that you hate doing in your Mm -hmm. business, but they have to get done. Um, and don't judge it and don't be like, but nobody else can ever just put it somewhere, capture it somewhere. 
Um, you can also like audit your time and actually see where it's going. You can prioritize your time and be like, no, from this hour to this hour, like that is when I will be working. And then if there are other people in your household, like communicate that to them. So you're not interrupted. Um, even if that's just like two hours a day, like give yourself those two hours and, um, it might not be something yet that you're outsourcing in your business, but what can you outsource in your personal life to take off of your mental load and your time load? Um, yeah, I think that is, so an example of that, of the personal life thing, um, my best friend, my best friend's husband is an entrepreneur and this is new. It's his first year in business, but they, you know, she was kind of like venting to me about their schedule. They have two young kids, you know, she works full time and he's an entrepreneur and he is figuring out his business boundaries right now, as far as when he's working in the evenings and stuff. And so this, they, it kept coming up like the dinner time. What are we doing for dinner? Who's cooking dinner? Who has time to do, you know, it just came down to a time thing. And so I just suggested based on some stuff we were talking about in our business group, I was like, why don't you guys do a meal prepping plan or like hire meal prepping somehow, like hire a Mm -hmm. private chef or um, we've been doing HelloFresh in our house because it just saves time. Like it saves me from going to the grocery store. Um, I do think we were saving money because we weren't wasting food. Like it's just the groceries to cook those meals. Um, And so I suggested that and it was like, her brain had not thought in that direction before, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We could do that. You know, it could save us time. And so I think that's a good point where if you're not ready or for whatever reason, it's not time to hire on help in your business. And also you don't have to, I think, so you can hire help in your personal life and make that easier and free up time there. And then you can also like hire a la carte. Like I had someone, a copywriter just to do my sales page and someone just to refresh my website homepage, you know, like you can kind of pick and choose what you hire for. You don't have to hire someone to revamp, you know, thousands of dollars to do the whole website. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that can be helpful too, especially if it's like budget constraints that. Yeah. The first, that's a good point. Cause the first, um, VAs I ever hired, they were purely for projects. Like mm-hmm. that was, that was it. Like actually, um, I think one, I think it was the first she, I needed her to, um, update like the, all my blogs and stuff. And so that was a whole, that was just like the project was, she just did that and it was awesome. And, um, and it, like, I loved it. And then, yeah, like I, I've occasionally had different people just do different, like one-off things for me. And even just actually, I think the first, yeah, the first webinar I ever did, I was like, I don't have time to learn the automations, like the active campaign, auto, like email automations on the back end. Um, and I was so overwhelmed by all of that, that I knew a woman who could do it. And I just hired her to set it all up for me. And then she showed me it. And now I'm like, oh, I, I completely get it. Um, but I, I was like, I'm never going to be able to do all of this in time. If I don't, 
at least get help with like a chunk of it. So yeah, that was, that was huge. So where do you go? Just, um, I mean, I'm curious, but I'm sure the people listening will be curious to, to find like, it's, I think it's easy to find like a copy editor or social media expert or things like marketing action items to hire out. But where do you go to find more general, like project-based help, like what you were just talking about? I feel like for me, it's often um, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And that's actually how I found my current business manager, um, who started as my VA and then got promoted up to my business manager. Uh, she's awesome. And yeah, it was word of mouth, but also, um, I have some friends like my friend, Tasha Booth. She, uh, also like trains VAs Mm -hmm. and she's a mentor to VAs, um, project managers and OBMs. And so she has a referral system. So you can actually go in, it's like a type form and you put in what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And then they give you candidate. I like people, uh, options that you can then go through and then, you know, interview or however you want to do it. Um, but that's another way. And she is somebody I trust. So often, um, actually like today I need to send her link to a client of mine who is looking for a VA. Wow. That's cool. And I think, um, yeah, I, if anyone is interested in that, they could message either one of us and we could share. Um, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom and knowledge with us today. Um, as we wrap up here, are there any final thoughts or anything you want to say to any, like a woman who is managing her, her business right now and feeling overwhelmed with ADHD and everything else she's got going on? Uh, yes, I'll actually say two things. So one of my favorite things I always say, just carry yourself with the confidence of a mediocre white man. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay to say, but like, but I mean, you know, like, I feel like there's always this dichotomy of like, um, you know, I feel like men in general don't get any flack for like, getting, you know, getting up and running their businesses and, and all of that, it's just so normalized, but like women feel really guilty, especially if you have kids, you're like, Oh God, you know, all of that. So there's like, um, and I feel like a lot of times, you know, like a successful man would not think anything of getting help, like getting meal, you know, fully cooked meals delivered in. It would be like, of course, because I'm not like, that's not a wise use of my time to cook dinner for myself every night. Right. Like, so that's sort of like what I mean when I say it is like, like, it's okay to be like, yeah, I want a successful business and I'm worthy of a successful business. And I am going to do what I need to do to make that happen. Even if it's not like socially acceptable or whatever for a woman not to be like cooking dinner. Um, And I would say the other thing is, is that like doing a few things really well, really consistently and giving yourself permission to not do all of the things, like it will actually help your business grow better. Like the more that you can lean into 
who you are and your strengths and like what comes naturally to you and release some of the guilt about what doesn't like the, the better you and everyone else around you will be. And the more successful that your business will be like, and I'll just give like a quick example. Like Mm -hmm. I am not an executor. I cannot do marketing materials for other people. Like no, theoretically. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Theoretically I could, like I have the ability I could, but, um, it would be, it would be a total nightmare. Like, even though I know I could make money doing Mm it, I would hate it. It would stress me out. It would make the relationship with my clients bad because even though I would like everything would be done by the deadline and it would be good, I would start to get resentful because Mm -hmm. I would be doing work I didn't, I don't want to do. And so I just had to make peace with that. Like I have friends who do done for you marketing Mm -hmm. and they make great money and they're brilliant. And I just had to like accept the fact that that's not me and that's totally okay. (laughs) Yes. And being in it's back to the self-awareness, but like just giving yourself permission to be okay with that and like playing to your strengths and not apologizing for, for doing it any other way. Like I had someone in a workshop recently and in front of everyone, he said, okay, so, um, can we hire you to do like to run social media? And I was like, hell no, you can't, but I can refer you to some other people, you know, because I do. And they were like, what would it cost though, if we wanted to hire you to do social media? And I was like, never enough. Like I will never do this for anyone except myself. And at some point I probably will scale that back too, you know? And I think to be, I used to feel pressured to say like, oh, well, yeah, I could figure that out. Or, you know, we can talk or I had someone refer a friend to me for the same. And I just started laughing and I was like, I will not do your marketing work for you. Mm -mm. I can refer you to some people though. I have a Mm -hmm. list of people that will. (laughs) Same, same. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, there's no, there's just no amount of money. Like I can't, I can't do it. And, oh, I actually saw, this is like totally an aside, but um, it's on the topic. And cause I know you work with a lot of makers, mm-hmm. um, a woman in a group I'm in posted, she is ADHD and it looks like she has sort of like a, like a bath and body type, like the picture that she used was like an herbal, like room spray, mm-hmm. I think of her, I don't remember the name of her business, but you know, something like that, like essential oils and like, mm-hmm. like, um, like personal care products. Right. So she was like, here is a tip. She's like, if you have ADHD that causes you to get bored really easily, and so you've changed businesses time and again, and that has caused you frustration. She's like, one thing I've done for myself is with within my product business, um, because there can be like seasonal and limited edition offers and things like that, it actually, it, makes it so that she can have her same business all the time, but she gets to be creative in offering these products that she won't get bored with because Mm -hmm. it's always like a new creation. And I was like, oh, that's really genius. (laughs) Yes, that is so fun. And one thing I find too with makers is that the most of the, a lot of the ones I started working with, they started it because it was like a hobby 
And so right. now yeah. it was a creative outlet for them. And when that becomes your business, not only does it get boring because you are limited to this product line. So I think that's a great way to mix it up. But then it also is like, well, what's my creative outlet now? Because that's mm-hmm. work. What it was is now work. And so I think it's okay to even like that woman create those things and not have to sell them anywhere. You right. Create for yourself and enjoy it. And I had one client who we started on that road and then what she was working on ended up in her shop. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But what are we going to do for your creative outlet still? And so I think mm-hmm. knowing yourself again and just being aware of like, yeah, I, I need a creative outlet. Like this woman, she has to keep she likes to create and she likes, she doesn't want to get bored. And so refreshing her product line, I think that's a great way to do that and to keep your brain entertained as well. Yeah. So thank you so much. This has been amazing. So how do people get in touch with you? Yeah. So at ericatebbins.com or Erica Tevins Consulting on Instagram. And my podcast is called Sell It Sister. It's on all of the podcast apps that are out there. Um, and on my website too, there's all sorts of free resources. So there's like, um, a guide for like my no sleeve sales guide. There is a short, but really good training on how to get clients Mm -hmm. and just, just all sorts of, all sorts of good stuff for you there. Yes. I recommend checking it out. Erica's so fun to follow on Instagram too. Um, she loves Stabler just as much as I do. So. I, I really do. I, I really love, do. I love your marketing and sales content, but I really love your personal content. <laughs> Thank you. I know. I just, I can't, uh, I, I can't help it. It's so funny. I did a coffee chat with somebody yesterday who we connected through Instagram. And at the end she was like, well, this was just lovely. Like you were exactly how you are on yes. social media. And that was so nice. And I'm like, again, as the, how, I just don't know any other way to be yeah. like, it seems like so much effort. <laughs> like that's what I, it's so, I don't know. Some of the, some things with business, I'm always like, huh? What? Because I'm just like, it literally feels like too much effort to pretend to be like a super polished version of myself because like, Ooh. I just can't, I don't have the, I can't, I just can't. I don't have the school. (laughs) And when you work with someone, like what we do is so personal that they're, I mean, inevitably your clients are going to figure out who you are anyway. So as well, just be wide open with it. Right. Like that's the thing. I can't work. I can't keep up that ruse for six months. If I'm working with somebody, that's a nightmare. (laughs) It is. And honestly, I like to keep that door open because there are times when like, I'm going to need, you know, it's nice to get to know your clients on a real level. And then you can talk about whatever's happening in your day and not feel like you have to censor or filter it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a marketing or journal prompt episode. And please leave a review so more people can find us. Are we friends on Instagram yet? 
Head over to at Marketing Uninhibited to say hi and let me know what parts of marketing you're struggling with. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with a customized four-week marketing action plan, visit marketinguninhibited.com to schedule your free 30-minute discovery call today. And remember, marketing your business can be simple, doable, and fun. <laughs>